Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Giant Mess, the super sloppy sports and entertainment talk show that's uh, it's about the New York Giants, New York Mets, movies, TV shows. It's got some comedy, some life lessons, some life stories. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the heartbreaking Giants loss the New Orleans Saints in the Big Easy. We'll also take a look at the playoff picture. That's right. We're not out, baby. We're mathematically alive. The two sexiest words on earth. And then we'll preview the Eagles game. Upset City? NFL season has been wacky. Why not? So with that, let's get started up in here. Oh boy. I, uh, if you listened to last week's episode, the Saints preview, I thought uh, Vegas had this, the, the line at like Saints minus six. And I was like, oh my God, put all your money on the Giants, not only to cover, but to win. And uh, I apologize to uh, the millions of dollars that I lost, <laughs> the betters that listen to this show. <sighs> That's on me. I take full responsibility. Uh, put it on my tab. Yeah, uh, I, I did not think we would come out and lay an egg like this. And especially in that second half. I, I cannot believe the lack of effort that we put on display in the second half. I mean, we essentially gave up with almost half the half the fourth quarter to play. Yeah, you're down by multiple scores. But Jesus Christ, like your playoff lives are on the line. And so that's why when the, when you hear the sound bites and you hear these players and these coaches talk, especially when it, we were like what? 2 and 8. When we were 2 and 8, we got all this talk from Dexter Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, Brian Dable, Wink Martindale. We got all this talk across the board that, hey, we're in a bad spot, but we're going to play our best football in November and December. That's when it counts the most. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And a lot of the Giants fan base was like, this is a load of shit. But if that were the case, and they really did believe that, and they thought they had a chance. What the fuck was that on Sunday? <laughs> like, what the, what was that effort? What, I don't, I just blown away that you could come out and look that soft, that timid, that scared, that just like lost, confused. I mean, uh, we're playing, it was a playoff game essentially. And, you know, even though we have a less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs right now, and we need a lot to fall into our, fall into place for us to make the playoffs, which I'll get into. Yes, I will get into that because I am a fanatic and I have lost my mind when it comes to this football team. And I still believe if you believe it, you can achieve it. Right. But what was that? What the fuck was that? Now I underestimated the saints defense, which I, I can't believe I did. Because every time I talked about the Saints this year, that's all I that's all I sang their praises up and down. And then I previewed it and I was like, ah, they they've lost it. They've lost their edge. Their defense can only do so much. Their offense can't, you know, the defense can't make up for a poor offense. Their offense uh is uh average, it's underperforming, underachieving. Our defense is on a hot one right now, and we're gonna shut them down. And it's it ultimately our offense is going to pull something out of their hat, out of their sleeve, like they did against Green Bay. Green Bay. It's right next to Green Bay. 
Didn't, not sure if you knew. So I think last week's game, it's hard to tell what's reality with this team. Was last week's, uh, the, the, the week uh, 14 game against the Packers, was that a mirage? Was it was it like, oh, check out the, the pretty sweet palm tree. Look at that freaking, that water looks cool and blue. It was, is, is it just a mirage? Like, are the Packers that bad? I mean, we were talking about how hot Green Bay was going into that game. And, but yet we, across the board, uh, majority of fans, I think, thought we were going to win. Then the closer we got to game day, and I know that happens every week. But for this one, it was like, especially like, okay, we got something going. And I think we, we can pull off the upset. And we did. And so I, I, the, I just thought that momentum was going to carry over to New Orleans. You know, I just thought, all right, defense is going to play it at a higher level. They're going to keep us in the game. And then we're going to pull away in the fourth. Or we're going we're gonna to do what we did la- the previous week. And we're going to drive down the field and win the game. And for a half, it looked like that was the case. I mean, the first half wasn't pretty, but you come away with it down a point. I mean, uh, you know, it was a it was a friggin' modern day miracle that we were able to get six points in that first half, considering we had both our goddamn we had our starting kicker pull his hamstring, and then our punter got hurt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just it didn't look like we had our head on right, you know, from the very first drive, like Daniel Bellinger, not getting the first down, the first drive, thinking he got the first down. It was like, dude, how did you not get that first down? You catch the ball. There's not a guy within four yards of you. You need two yards or three yards to get the first down. How do you not just barrel forward your big, bold, beautiful ass? Like just pull forward, dude. You can truck these truck stick, these guys. We got a roughing the uh, roughing the punter call that extended a drive. Got lucky there. We had a roughing the passing roughing the passer call that we got uh, not roughing the passer unnecessary roughness or something like that against Daniel Bellinger, which was not an us- unnecessary roughness. So, I, I, very disappointing. But the fact that we were, I mean, if you go back to my reaction to the the season opening loss to the Cowboys. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to win a game the way we played in that game. And I don't know that the, the, the confidence got much better after the Cardinals come from behind win. you know, it's just, it just felt like, no, this team just ain't got it. But again, it was like, okay, maybe it's a shitty first half, great second half. I mean, and we've talked about all the injuries that we've seen to quarterbacks and how it's altered seasons and how maybe we're just another team with another like up and coming backup quarterback that no one saw being a good performer, being a good performer. You look at Joe Flacco in Cleveland. You look at Jake Browning in, in Cincinnati. You look at uh, you know a bunch of teams had their stars go down, and they've had guys come in as backups, third stringers, and win games. So it's like, why not us? You know, that was essentially the thinking. And, uh, and we, uh, you know, well, I guess we'll just get into it. I, I mean, honestly, I think we got out coached in this game. I think you, they came in with a really shitty game, game plan to begin with, and it only got worse. I don't think they did any adjustments at, at halftime, obviously, because we came on the second, ha- second half flat, 
and it just, we just look lifeless. <sighs> um, you know, we didn't have Evan Neal like that. Fucking matters. I mean, you know, uh, I really did think our offensive line was gonna was had turned things around. It's like, all right, we have the same five guys starting for the fourth consecutive game or something like that. We're three and zero with these guys, so like these are our guys. Let's ride with them. So I didn't give a shit that Evan Neal was not was not gonna play. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was a little dinged up. I didn't I didn't realize Justin Pugh had a calf issue, and I think that ultimately really affected his play. Darren Waller looked pretty good. I I don't know his snap count, but it felt like he was almost never on the field. It's like if we're playing for our playoff lives, and why why is your number one receiving target? You could argue Saquon is that, but why is your number one receiving target not on the field? You have him on a pitch count. Like it's it, there are no pitch counts anymore. Fuck pitch counts. Like we were playing for our playoff lives. So that's why I don't think when they say uh, we got playoffs hopes, we have playoff aspirations, we're still in it, we still think we can make the playoffs. You're fucking lying to us because you just certainly didn't coach like it and you didn't play like it. Um. So I I don't know. We're now one in three in indoor games this season. We're one in five in Brian Dable's two years as coach in indoor games. We're four and nine in the Supernome and 34 and 35 in indoor games since 1978. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of indoors. <laughs> We're outdoor cats, apparently. So uh, I don't I don't like our odds going down to the, the Superdome. Every time I see that we're playing at New Orleans on the schedule, I almost almost always draw it up as a loss. But for whatever reason, I thought uh, things would be different this year. And I was dead ass wrong. <sighs> this is the fourth game in the se- this season in which the Giants did not score a touchdown. In the fifth game in which they had no offensive touchdowns. Um, we converted only two of 16 third down attempts. It's our second lowest total this season. Of our 16 attempts, we faced a third and long on 12 of them seven yards or more. So we talked about last week in the recap of the Packers game, <clears throat> not a lot of third and long situations, third and manageable all the time. It ever always seemed like on first or second down, we're getting, we're at least getting five yards. And so we're always set up for like a third and five, less than seven yards. That was for sure not the case in this, in this, uh, in this game. And that's because uh, well, I didn't realize this. The Saints defense had the league's ninth best third down defense heading into the game. Oversight on my part. Tommy DeVito was uh, taken down four times in the first half alone and was sacked seven times total. He's the first Giants quarterback with three consecutive games of 20 plus attempts and 100, 100 plus passer rating since Eli Manning in 2014. Was, uh, and he's the first Giants rookie to do it. He completed 20 of 34 passes for 177 yards and it was a 72.8 passer rating so uh yeah step back for tommy d entering week 15 the saints had allowed the the lowest opponent the lowest opponent passer rating in the nfl this season 74.7 so you had to feel i mean i don't know that a lot of people were thinking that tommy devito was going to come out and do what he did last game but I didn't think he would regress that much where it felt like every time he's dropping back, he's holding onto the ball way too long. And then when the pocket is basically like there's no air in the pocket, 
he tries to scramble and puts his head down and it's like, no, you're not going anywhere, dude. The time to scramble was a second ago <laughs> when you actually had some semblance of a pocket. You know, when there was some kind of avenue and window to, to creep through you and slip through, you missed it. And now you're just getting swarmed. <laughs> so I think a lot of those sacks were on him, you know, and I, I still was not a fan. I mean, the play calling sucked. I, did, I was not a fan of the play calling at all. You know, it's like if you know that uh, if you know that the Saints have that kind of third down defense, don't get in third and long situations. <laughs> Put us in better situations so they're more manageable, and you don't have to rely on uh, Devito dropping back and having to wait for plays the passing routes to develop. You know, and you know when he did scramble, he never looked down the field, never. Which sucks because, I mean, if you look at from the behind the offense, that camera angle, Dahl 22, if you will, when you look from behind the offense, when they show those replays and he scrambles, it's like Jalen Hyatt, wide open down the left sideline. Uh, so-and-so wide open on the right. So-and-so wide open on the left. So it's like he's just not seeing, he just didn't see guy. He wasn't looking. He was looking to run and pick up yards and he wasn't looking, um, he wasn't looking up. So interesting because you look at the Packers game and it was like he would drop back and if he he just seemed like he was he made quicker decisions. He would process it quicker. He was like, okay, first not open, second not open, I'm gone. This one was like first not open, second not open, third not open, fourth not. It's like, nah, dude, you can't you don't have that kind of protection. <laughs> All right. I mean, I know you're Italian, but you do not have the backing of the family. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of this was on Debido. I mean, and a lot of it goes on the offensive line too. I mean, Pew's hurt, Schmidt's stunk. The, the two of them couldn't pick up a stunt to save their lives. So, I, you know, is a recipe for disaster. We allowed pressures on thirty six percent of passing snaps. Yikes! Saquon Barkley just uh, couldn't do anything. He had that one sick catch uh, where Debido was scrambling to the right. And uh, Barkley went up and caught it, you know, had to turn and catch it. I want to say almost one-handed, but it was like right by the sideline, one of the better catches I've seen him ever make. And uh, that was about the only highlight for him. Eight yards on six carries heading into the the half, 14 yards on nine carries for the game. He did eclipse a thousand, yard, a thousand scrimmage yards for the fourth time in his six-year career. So kudos to him on that. But... Like I said, it uh, they just really gave up. I mean, Barkley was nowhere to be found for most of the fourth quarter, I felt like. And it's like, it, it, this is the time where he needs to shine, you know? We completed just one of nine third downs in the first half. We were two of 15 overall. Yeah, so I mean, like, phew. And the drop passes didn't help things either, man. Darius Slayton with a drop, Jalen Hyatt with a drop. It was just like... What what is going on? It just felt like we came. You saw from early on, and even pregame, the Saints just had like a certain confidence to them, you know. And I mean, the fact that they did that fucking the hand gesture with the pinch fingers, the Tommy DeVito signature celebration. Every time they sacked Tommy DeVito, so goddamn dumb, dude. And I know I'm a Giants fan and biased, but like. Tommy DeVito is an undrafted rookie who 
who was a third-string emergency quarterback forced into action that no one thought was going to be any good. They literally wouldn't let him throw a fucking pass against the Jets for more than a half. A half and a quarter, almost. Half and a half and a quarter. So, like, it's a good, it's a good story. It's a great story. But it's like the Saints must have watched some kind of film and tape, and they were like, we're going to destroy this motherfucker. And we're going we're gonna to let him know about it. And maybe that was part of the game plan. Is like, we're going to do this celebration, and we're going to get in his head? I don't know. Um, but they, they certainly were not scared of him at all. And uh, they made sure that everyone knew about it. But it was like, they're doing that shit. And we, we're just, we, we just like, there's just no reaction from us. There's no emotion. There's nothing. <sighs> I'm just, I think, I mean, the offense stunk. But it's really the defense that helps us win games, right? It's very rare, like, especially this season. I don't know that there's ever been a game where the offense has won it for us really want it for us because it's like um if you put like our offensive numbers up with like most other defenses i think we're not winning a single goddamn game but uh i don't understand the game plan from wink martindale well going back to kafka for a hot second second and 17 you hand the ball off that's just that right there is the the epitome of what i'm talking about with the coaching and the game plan and the scheme what the fuck are you doing running the ball on second and 17? And a poorly designed run play, I might add. Like, we're just going to shotgun hand it off and run it up the middle? What the fuck? At least get a little crazy with it. I, there was like a lot. We saw so much creativity the previous week. A flea flicker that was, you know, it could have been disastrous, but turned out for the best. And then this week, it was like, there's just nothing. There's no creativity. There's no, no, no like motion. There's nothing to help him out. Once you see four sacks in the first half, you got to adjust. Calibrate, dude. That's why I don't think Kafka will be back. I just don't. I, I, like, wh wh what are you thinking, man? Oy. I mean, the play calling was atrocious from, from start to finish. The defense was not much better in terms of the scheme. Why? The fuck were we playing zone defense so much? So much. If there's one thing that I hate watching NFL games, it's watching a mushy zone defense get shredded. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so fuck. I, 10 times out of 10, dude, would much, much rather get beaten man to man. Much rather. At least you have a fucking shot. At least you're trying. This is Odin defense. You just have motherfuckers standing around. It's 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 infuriating to watch. Just seeing guys just stand there. Trying to read Derek Carr, who is not a rookie, dude. It's like, I can understand if you, you want to bait a rookie into throwing something. Maybe that kind of shit would work against a Jordan Love or something like that. It's not going to work against Derek Carr, dude. What? I mean, like, they put up a graphic where he's one of four quarterbacks in NFL goddamn history to throw for 3,000 yards each season in his first 10 seasons. One of four. And I know uh, he's caught a lot of shit over his career, especially with the Saints, because they have looked inept and they looked like they were falling apart the previous week against the Panthers. 
but uh, there's no better way to get right than to face a zone defense. And uh, how many times during that goddamn game did you see our defenders, after a big play or a touchdown, look at each other and be like, well, I thought you were supposed to be there. And And it's like, if you just play man, there's no question, my guy. That's your guy. You cover him and that's it. And if you get beat, so be it. The zone defense, I just, I don't get it. Especially from Wink Martindale. Dude, we're fucking five and eight. We're five and eight and going in this game. We have a very slim chance of making the playoffs anyway. How about we start playing like it? Fuck it. Throw caution into the wind. I don't understand why we're being cautious at five and eight. We have such a remote chance of making the playoffs. You might as well just go balls to the wall, my guy. Why the fuck are we playing soft, timid defense? We saw the same exact thing against the fucking Eagles in the divisional game. And that drove me up a goddamn wall because we're not supposed to be in this position. No one thought we were supposed to make the playoffs. It's a rebuilding year. We pull off an upset win against the Vikings, even though a lot of people thought they were frauds. Just go balls to the wall. I just, like, everyone and their mother knows that we're not a contender. Talent can't execute the kind of game plan that I guess the coaches want. But, like, if you're going to go out, go out guns blazing, dude. And they didn't do that. It's such a sorry, sad way to end a season. To go And I hope to God they don't do that against the Eagles. Like, at least what I appreciated about that 49ers game is we didn't have a fucking shot in hell of winning that game. We didn't have Saquon. We didn't have Andrew Thomas. We needed our defense to come up big. And we blitzed the fuck out of Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy handled it. Kudos to him. I'd rather do that and see if he can handle it than not do it and just let him pick us apart with these fucking wide open guys in his own defense. (sighs) To not put any pressure on receivers, on running backs, on tight ends, on the quarterback, to not put any pressure on anyone to make a play and just say, I mean, you're, it's your gift. I mean, I know Christmas is right around the corner, but Jesus Christ, you're gift wrapping chunk yards, chunk plays left and right. Our streak of at least one interception ended at four games. We had zero takeaways in this game. I don't even think we came fucking close to getting a takeaway. Jason Pinnock uh, had our only sack. Where was that for the rest of the game? Where the hell was that? Saints only allowed pressures at a league best 15.6% of passing snaps. Yeah, so that might have... Might have glossed over that in the preview. They have an above-average offensive line. And uh, it has become clear now that the Giants' defensive line cannot uh, generate pressure against above-average offensive lines. So back to the drawing board with a defensive front. Saints converted 6 of 11 third downs and controlled the clock for almost 33 minutes, scoring 17 unanswered points in the second half. Uh, they converted 37 point. They were going into this game. They converted only six thirty seven point five percent on of their third downs, which is 19th best in the league. So why couldn't we get off the field, dude? Why? I'll tell you why. And this is without Chris Olave, by the way. They're, I guess, probably their number one receiver. This is without Chris Olave. How do you let that happen? I'll tell you how. Zone defense. These next three games. 
should we should not play a lick of zone defense. It should be all man and it should be all blitzing. And if you, and if you your guys don't have the stamina or the endurance to to keep up with that and to play like that, you got to rotate. Keep the guys fresh. I don't care. I don't care who's out there. Play man. I would much rather get beat that way than to see uh, it's it is as a fan it is so like awful and just like demoralizing to see a guy score a wide open touchdown in the end zone and have two guys standing five yards away each just looking at each other. But like you remember when we said, like, I thought if he's on that side, it's like, no, dude, just that's your guy. Cover him. (sighs) Derek Carr completed 82% of his passes, 23 to 28 for 218 yards, three touchdowns for a 134.8 passer rating. It was his highest passer rating since 2018. It's the highest completion percentage, 82% by Giants opponents since Baker Mayfield completed 84.3 on uh, December 20, 2020. So there's something about these December, mid to late December games that it's just like we, uh, right before Christmas, it's like, I don't know, guys, I guess they have like, uh, they haven't got their shopping done and they're thinking, I forgot to get this for grandmama. They allowed 90 rushing yards from their running backs, so... Yeah, and Adoree Jackson can get the hell off this team. I cannot wait for this guy to get off our team. I'm not going to use hyperbole and exaggerate and say like he's one of the worst free agent signings we've ever had. There have been far worse. But I would say, and I, I don't think I would get many detractors or, or disagreement, uh, much disagreement on this, one of the worst free agent contracts did not play up to his contract, right? Hurt a lot of the time, not, hardly any interceptions, was rarely a lockdown guy. And this 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 season especially, it's just, I don't know if he's lost a step or what, but it's like, I mean, he, he they moved him into the fucking slot and started a six-round draft pick over him to start the season. By the way, what the fuck happened to Trey Hawkins? Isn't that banana land? This guy in training camp was like the the uh, the gem, the dark horse. Like this guy, I have I, never seen anything like this where it's like no one was expecting him as a six-round draft pick to, to crack the starting lineup or to get much playing time. And this motherfucker was the starting CB2 on the outside. He started three games, and since then, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the snap count is on this, but like, I, you know, just nothing, hardly anything. I don't, I don't know. That, that is, that is fucking weird. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it where it's like training camp. He's off the charts to the point where we make him a starter over a Dory Jackson. And I think he started three games and was benched and has not seen the field that much since then. <laughs> we have Cordell Flott starting over playing over him. We have Darnie Holmes is the alternate playing over him. Woof dude. So that 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 to me is an indictment on the coaching staff, is it not? It also makes the training camp look you I've said this a million times, training camp is pointless. It's useless. Like anything you see in training camp is like just don't believe it. And and uh, if you fall for it next training camp and next season, that's on you. I am now of the camp that training camp means dock. Means nothing. Fucking defense. 
if we come out against the Eagles and play zone defense, I'm turning off the goddamn TV. <laughs> I just cannot be subjected to that again. And everyone on Twitter is saying it. Play man and blitz. Play man and blitz. We obviously don't have the capacity to play zone effectively. And why we're playing against Derek Carr in the first place is fucking banana land. All right. On a special teams, Fat Randy pulled his hammy. He did hit a 56-yard field goal with uh, five minutes into the game. It was the second longest of his 216 career field goals. They put up a graphic right before he kicked that. First of all, he looks like he was going to shit his pants again, like he did against the Packers. Same thing. They they cut to him, zoom in close up, and he's just he looks so goddamn worried, which is just not great for confidence. He's it's basically a coin flip with him on on field goal attempts of fifty fifty uh, yards or more. He was fourteen of twenty eight heading into that attempt. So I thought he was going to shank it. Turns out he 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 hits it. His previous uh, career high was uh, his career high is fifty seven yards, so he just missed that. Was the Giants' first long distance field goal since Graham Gano's fifty one yarder at Miami on October eighth. So you'd have to think that has played a part. You know, I think it hasn't. Mm. Has it killed us in any of our games? I mean, we in the three games we won. I guess no. I don't know. It it just be nice to that like when we get to the forty, we know we have a shot of scoring <laughs> and I don't think, and now that he's hurt, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. And, uh, the Scottish hammer also got hurt, but he did, um, make his first field goal attempt. It was his second field goal attempt. His first field goal attempt was against, was for the Browns against the jets, uh, two days after Christmas, 2020 in MetLife. um, was also in the final play of the first half. It was shortened to the right, um, but he he smoked that ball. Whoa. Like, he that would have been good from 61, probably, I think. It was a 40-yard field goal, right? And he hit it. It was like three-quarters up the net, halfway up the net, three-quarters up the net. Yeah, he would have nailed that from 61. But then he got hurt. So it's like any any idea of, like, us attempting something from, 40, you know, getting to the 45 – I was like, let's just, as long as we're just scoring, I don't care that we're not scoring touchdowns because I thought that the defense was going to continue, you know, their first half trend of like uh, holding the Saints. And uh, I thought we could have maybe won with field goals. <laughs> I was like, let's just get, let's just get three, just get three, just get three. Um, This was the first game in which two different Giants players kicked field goals since 1994 when David Tridwell Kicked a 19-yarder, and Brad DeLuiso added a 49-yarder and a 10-6 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's wild that we carried two kickers for, like, I want to say two, three seasons? That was wild. And the fact that we... I don't know why we kept David Treadwell. Because of his accuracy? Like, Brad DeLuiso had the cannon leg. He was the kickoff guy. And I guess they just assumed, like, he just is not accurate. But yet... I vividly remember him having multiple long-ass game-winning field goals or clutch field goals. I don't know. David Treadwell, my God. That was a Dan Reeves signing. Uh, the first season, this was the first season since 1985 in which three different players kicked field goals for the Giants. So we now have Gano, Bullock, and Gillen. Uh, Jamie Gillen, who looks like he's going to the Pro Bowl and is, uh, deserves it, I think. And I apologize for shitting on him all of last season. He's done a, a, a bang-up job this year. 
We'll see how hurt he is. <laughs> this game is against the Eagles is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the Saints game. My God, if we won that game, mm, if we won that game, I mean, we would be at a fever goddamn pitch. But so Daniel Jones, we haven't talked about about him. Uh, so I, I saw this on, I think it was the, the athletic, his $35.5 million salary for 2024 was fully guaranteed at signing, which is why, uh, there's no chance the team will dump him this off season and why the injury guarantee won't enter the equation until 2025. So everyone proclaiming RIP DJ back that ass up, you know, it's not, that's not the case unless they find a trade partner. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazier things have happened, but I just can't see them moving on from him uh, this off season. So it'll be 2025 for all the DJ haters. You got another full season of beautiful Danny dimes mastery coming at you, but it does, you know, and I, I think this is the last season we'll see Tyrod. Right. And if anything, Tommy DeVito has pretty much, I don't want to say cemented, but yeah, cemented himself as the prime candidate for the number two spot. Should they just blindly, automatically pen, like pen him in, slide him in and say, no, we're not going to give you any competition? I don't think that's the approach. I really don't. I really do think you bring in a third guy and uh, maybe it's a starting quarterback who's fallen from grace, who can be acquired on the cheap. I'm not saying Marcus Mariota, please not Marcus Mariota, but someone along those lines, a Case Keenum, you know, a guy that, uh, a Nick Mullins, you know, like a guy that has won games, won big games as a starter, is efficient as a backup. <clears throat> Why not bring him in and give Tommy DeVito competition? And then, uh, you know, maybe you can trade him for seventh round, you know, just something. Because I don't think you can just roll into next season with just Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito and call it a day. <laughs> so I mentioned that we're mathematically alive. We are not completely eliminated from playoff contention. The New York football giants are still in the hunt. They're still in the playoff picture for the, N the NFC. Yeah, a lot of people think this, this season's over. And I get it. But that's not fun. And I like to be fun. And I want this season to be fun because it's been such a goddamn depressing shit show for so long. The fact that we have any kind of life and chance at the playoffs is just, we need to embrace that shit. <laughs> like, the fact that we were talking about if we beat the Saints, we're now like, we're almost like, we're about to get the seven seed. That's incredible considering where we, where we started and where we came from. So I'm going to continue to hold on to that until they tell me to, please, sir, let go. This is a Denny's. Like I want someone to say until they say officially eliminated, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with this. So how delusional am I? Right. Everyone's like, uh, everyone's tossing the towel. Everyone's thrown in their hat. Right. They're like, no, nay. We're, they're giving eulogies left and right. And I say this, did you think that the Seahawks would beat the Eagles with Drew Locke? Eh, maybe Eagles are winless. In Seattle, I think they're like 0-10, 0-7 or something like that. Jalen Hurts had a, the some kind of illness, had to fly on a, a completely separate flight than the rest of the team. Darius Slay was out. Cam Jurgens is out. 
It was rainy. Who's to say that doesn't happen again next week? Sure, the Rams uh, have looked really good against some really good teams. Beat the fuck out of the Browns. And they were running away with the game against the Commanders, but if you look at the final score, it's 28-20. Those are two teams we're facing the next three games. So it's like, I choose to believe that the Eagles are in a landslide. This is, their, this is a monumental collapse, and this is a downfall of epic proportions. I'd like, to, I'd like to believe that, and I'd like to see that through. Wouldn't it be nice? It's just like the, the wheels have come off. Their defense is not the defense from last season. And, uh, you know, their offense is not the same offense. Would it be nice if Lane Johnson decided to take a, a surprising vacation on another planet? That would be great. Or if he, like, his groin exploded and somehow he wasn't able to sew it up and stitch it up and go out on the field. Because when Lane Johnson plays, they win. When they don't, When he doesn't play, they lose. So it's like if someone... I don't know, maybe Tommy DeVito's agent can man, can put this together, can ensure that Lane Johnson doesn't play. That would be fantastic. <clears throat> so how do the New York Giants make the playoffs in 2023 <laughs> at five and nine with three to play? We have less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs. There's a 99 point some odd percent chance that we're not going to make the playoffs. There's still, there's still, you tell me there's a chance. So here's what has to happen. I have decided to play around with ESPN's playoff machine. It's sad that I forgot about it and I haven't been using it, but it's like when I didn't really need to use it for a lot of years. <laughs> so I've rediscovered it and I fucking love it. Typically, I look at playoff status, even when we're having a shit season, I'm like, well, you know, we still have a 1% chance. I've run a couple scenarios through the playoff machine and there is a scenario. And it's not very hard to envision, and I can't believe it's only we have only less than 1% chance because I do believe the season is cray-cray. The Packers beating the Lions in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Cardinals beating the Cowboys early on in the season. There's a lot of fucking weird shit going on. The, the Bears should have beat the Browns. <clears throat> Freaking Mooney just needs to hold on to the ball and a Hail Mary, and that's, that's a Bears upset win. So... Uh, why wouldn't you just say, fuck it? Yeah, we're going to win. Here's how we do it. Here's how we make that postseason. Here's how we do the unthinkable. The impossible, if you will. We run the table. We beat the Eagles in Philly on Christmas Day, a place where we don't usually win. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, y'all. We beat the Rams on our home turf in the new year. Hey, new year, new you. It's New Year's Eve. Sorry. But what better way to welcome in the new year than an upset win against the Rams? Have we had luck against the Rams? No, <laughs> we have not in recent history. We got smoked in 2017, and uh, I don't think we're going to do fair much better against Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford in that offense. But it's a long season. People get hurt. Things happen. So we beat the Eagles on Christmas Day. We beat the Rams on New Year's, Day, New Year's Eve. And then we face the Eagles on our home turf. Dear God, if we go, if we go two and in the next two games, we're now seven and nine with a chance of making the playoffs against a division rival on our home turf, reminiscent of the 2002 season finale where we win and we're in. We win and I think we're in, but we need a lot of help. 
So what do we need? What do we need to happen from the rest of the the rest of the NFC, the rest of the conference? Well, in Week 16, it would be very nice if the Rams beat the Saints. Which is that far fetched? No. We do need the Titans to beat the Seahawks. Now I'll say this: I think a lot of people would say, Eagles fans mostly, the Giants are going to be our get right game. We're in a free fall, right? Wheels are coming off. We're going to go, we're going to have, we, we are dominant at home and uh, it'll be nice to get a nice uh, pounding of our division rival, NFC East division rival on our home turf and get right. For the Seahawks coming off a monumental win, yes, this could springboard them uh, into the next level and they could get the sixth or the seventh seed and just run the table. They got to feel good about their chances with Drew Locke, right? And the defense is playing pretty well. But this is a trap game. And the Titans, even though they probably don't have Will Levis, are a weird squad where it's like they come out and they can they can uh, beat a good team. They can come out and lose to a bad team. Uh, divisional games are always a wild time. Like the fact that they lost to Houston is uh, without C.J. Stroud. Crazy. But again, Case Keenum, proven, proven quarterback who can come in and win you games. So uh, would you be that shocked if the Titans upset the Seahawks? No. And then the Lions beat the Vikings. Now, the Vikings, I've underestimated drastically, and I think a lot of the league has. Uh, I would have thought for sure that they would have been out of playoff contention by now just because I didn't see Nick Mullins as a, as a, as a guy that could carry them. But that defense is legit, and Nick Mullins, pretty good. Probably could have beat the Bengals in Cincinnati against that uh, tough Bengals defense and uh, Jake and Jake Browning, who is just like taken off. <laughs> Lions can beat the Vikings, sure. Vikings then in week 17. Vikings need to beat the Packers. Bucks need to beat the Saints. Packers are losing their marbles, right? They just uh, got beat by Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, the first quarterback in Lambeau history, Green Bay Packers history, to have a perfect passer rating in Lambeau. Whoa, dude. And, you know, I know people have knocked Baker Mayfield and Giants fans do not have a soft spot and soft spot in our hearts for Baker Mayfield after his DJ comments, but that's some impressive shit. So do I think Nick Mullins can go and beat Green Bay? Yeah. Then we need the Bucks to beat the Saints. You're telling me the Bucks go into Green Bay, beat the Packers. They can't beat the Saints? Then week 18, we need the Cardinals to beat the Seahawks. I don't think that's that crazy. <laughs> like, I, I mean, the Seahawks are a wildly inconsistent team, in my opinion. And sure, they might. this could be them getting hot, and maybe they, they, this is like a December to remember for them. But the Cardinals are also spoilers. They've beaten a lot. Of, they have beaten or have stayed uh, competitive with a lot of good, good teams, played a lot of interesting close games. So I that is not out of the realm of possibilities that the Cardinals can beat can can't beat the Seahawks or can beat the Seahawks. Lions beat the Vikings again. I think the Lions have probably righted the ship. They played a very good Broncos team in Detroit and uh, ran rough shot on the defense. You know the Broncos defense has really stepped up and is is really the reason why they've been winning so many games. So maybe that was the get right game for the Lions. And you know Dan Campbell was uh, was pretty miffed after the that the previous week's loss and said he was gonna he was gonna light a fire and I, I think he did and I think so now I, it looks like they're on the 
the up and up. So I think it's a close game, but I think the Lions can sweep the Vikings. They take the division. The Niners beat the Rams, right? And that's that might come into question, right? Because if that's the season finale, and if the 49ers have that number one seed locked up and the Rams are playing for a playoff spot, that's where it can get tricky. Where it's like, okay, Niners are gonna sit everyone, Rams are gonna like uh run up the score. And so that's that. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And then the Bears beat the Packers. All that happens. Now, did I say anything that was that outlandish? It's not like we're asking the Panthers to beat anyone, which I mean they just beat the <laughs> they just beat the Falcons. So it's like uh and and they took it to the Saints. So I mean the Panthers are another team where it's like people think they're just gonna lay down their they're four and ten now or something like that. Panthers could be tricky for a couple guys, a couple teams looking to make the playoffs. So the way I see it, if all that falls in a line, you'd have you'd have the Niners as the as the one seed at 14 and 3. You have uh Dallas winning the NFC East at 13 and 4, even though, you know, uh, everyone thought they were gonna win the Super Bowl before they played the Bills and then they got smoked against the Bills in Buffalo, which I saw coming. I definitely that was not like Bills are on a hot one right now. And they're streaking, and I think the Cowboys got a wake-up call. <clears throat> and it's also like, uh, you know, the Cowboys beat the Eagles, right, handedly. And everyone's like, oh, they finally beat a good team, but it was at home. So can the Cowboys beat a good team on the road? They haven't had to do it yet. Or they haven't done it yet. Uh, so they're the two seed. The Lions will be the three seed winning the NFC North. <laughs> Gulp. The Bucks, the Baker Mayfield led Bucks, would get the four seed NFC South winners at ten and seven. Eagles would get the five seed at eleven and six, which is, I mean, you know, I pray for days like this, right? Where it's like they started ten and one, something like that, and to finish eleven and six, right? That would be oh, so juicy. And then the Vikings would get the six seed at eight and nine, and then. Uh, your our New York Football Giants will get the seven seed at eight and nine. That's how it's gonna. That's how that's gonna play out. So, <clears throat> as a seven seed, we would go to Dallas and play the Cowboys in Dallas. Odds are, <laughs> unless we this is like, you know, I you know this is not oh seven. This is not twenty eleven. I don't I don't see us going into Dallas and beating Dallas in Dallas. Um, of course, if that if this all goes down. The week of that game, I think we're going to win. <laughs> As of right now, looking at that, I'm like, eh, yeah, probably not. The six-seed Vikings would go to Detroit and play the Lions, the three-seed Lions, which uh, I got a weird feeling that, okay, the Vikings stick it to the Lions in their two regular season matchups. They face them two of the last three games. They lose both of those games, but then they go into Detroit, and I think they might pull out the upset. And I hate I hate to say it because I want Detroit to go far. Um, I really want the Lions to. I wish they would. I, you know, I don't know how they would take down the 49ers unless you know Brock Purdy gets hurt or Debo gets hurt, McCaffrey gets hurt or Kittle gets hurt. But I mean, I, that was my hope was that the Lions would be our NFC representative in the Super Bowl. That would be so sweet. But yeah, I can very easily see them losing to the Vikings uh, in the wild card. And then the five seed Eagles go to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers, the four seed Buccaneers, which even despite 
um, an atrocious end to the season for Philadelphia where they finish like one in five or something like that. Woof. Um, I think it's a close game, but I do think that uh, the Eagles pull it out. So, and that's that's my delusional take <laughs> on how the Giants can make the playoffs. Uh, you know, there's three games left, and a lot. I mean, dude, the NFL is a roller coaster week to week. Anyone who can predict, like, no one's predicted a lot of the shits happening. You think people thought that Joe Flacco was going to come back and lead the Browns and be playing out of his mind for the Browns and and leading them, uh, leading the charge there. Like was was not on the roster for not on a NFL roster for three months. <clears throat> so yeah, that's how I see it. So Chicago would fi- finish eight and nine in this scenario. Chicago fish- finishes eight and nine, which is pretty respectable. The Rams are eight and nine, the Seahawks are eight and nine, and the Saints would be eight and nine. So I kind of looked into tiebreakers because I'm like, how the hell? Because I always thought it was head-to-head. And it was like, well, we didn't play. We lost the Seahawks, but we beat the Rams, and we lost the Saints, and we didn't face the Bears. So my guess is that we would have a better conference record because as of right now, we have four conference wins. And if we run the table, that's three more NFC teams. So the Rams, we would leapfrog. We would uh, get the head-to-head on them. And we'd also have own the head-to-head on Philadelphia, even though that's not a tiebreaker. But we would finish up with seven conference wins which I guess would be more than the Rams, Saints, and Bears. That's my guess. That's the only thing I can think of. So that's the uh, delusional playoff picture. You know, I can see it in my mind's eye. Let's preview the Giants-Eagles game. It's uh, This is on Monday night, Christmas night. Uh, not Monday night, Christmas afternoon, 4.30. So by the time you, you should have opened all your gifts... And hopefully you you are drowning in eggnog because I think that's the only way to watch this game is to be submerged in the nog or Christmas beers, heavy Christmas beers. Um, it's at the link. Eagles are favored by 10 and a half goddamn points. And the over-under is 43 and a half. I want to say take the under. If it is the over, it's the, the, the Eagles are putting a whooping on us. But uh, if it's close, I think that it's the under. So it's like, you know, man up. Eagle, uh, Giants defense, man up. Giants offense, survive. <laughs> That's all you need to do is survive. Uh, Tommy DeVito has finally surpassed Daniel Jones as a 2023 passing leader with 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, Jalen Hurts, obviously the Eagles leader in passing, 3,300 yards, 19 touchdowns. A.J. Brown has uh, more than 1,300 yards on 95 catches, seven tutties. And DeAndre Swift is their rushing leader with almost 900 yards on less than 200 carries, four touchdowns. They're all going to be problems for us. I mean, it's like, it's just, everyone's going to be a problem. So how you address that, how do you approach that? You a thousand percent need to put a spy on Jalen Hurts. Who that is, I don't know. I don't think it's Michael McFadden, but maybe it is. Do you put Bobby Okereke as your spy? Is Isaiah Simmons your, your spy? Uh-huh. I think it's Isaiah Simmons, even though he does have a bum ankle. Yikes. Will Jalen Hurts be healthy by then? I would assume so. Unless he had my unless I somehow gave him my fucking cough that I had for two months. So yeah. Spy on Jalen Hurts. You double team AJ Brown. 
and you let and you make Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith beat you, which they can and they probably will, but <laughs> I just don't want to see AJ Brown running uh, a muck a muck a muck. How do you handle DeAndre Swift in the run game? I don't know. I honestly don't know. You know, this is one of those situations where it's like you're gonna need to put a safety up. You know, is it Dane Belton? Do you do you put? Uh, I think Jason Pinnock is the biggest of our guys. So you put him up towards the line. That means you need Xavier and Dane back. Is Isaiah also on the field in that situation? Do you feel at all confident in having Cordell Flott on the field? What's up with the Dory Jackson? So the defense feels like it's uh, and it's also tough seeing Julian Love play so well. Money now. I know that he, he like the broadcast team was all over him thinking it was pass interference on his pick in the end zone. I do kind of miss Julian Love, don't you? It feels like if we had him this year, can you imagine where we'd be at? He's worth at least a win or two, I think. Call me crazy, and you have, and you will continue to call me crazy. So, last five matchups. I mean, uh, do we even need to go over this? We haven't won since November 21. And even that was, oof, touch and go. But it, it you know, 38-7 blowout in the playoffs. Uh, 22-16 when they had basically all their, sitting all their starters. Or we were sitting our starters. Were they playing their starters? I think they were playing their starters. Yeah, but they were toying with us. 48-22 uh, was that second game from 2022 in December where it was just uh, ugly. And then uh, 3410, day after Christmas 2021 at Philly. So I, uh, yeah, Philly now leads the all time series 93 to 88. Philly is 5 and 1 at home, 7 5 2 against the spread. They're seventh in points scored per game, 26th in points allowed per game, but they are 23rd in takeaway differential. So if I had to guess how we can win this game, it's forced turnovers, <laughs> as many as you can. I don't think three is going to get it done. You need to have at least four turnovers for this to be a contest, for this to be uh, competitive. So uh, do I think Jalen Hurts throws a pick or two? Maybe. I could see him throwing a pick. Do I see anyone fumbling on Philadelphia? Mm, you kind of saw it against the Cowboys. I think Devontae Smith had the ball punched out. I think A.J. Brown might have the ball punched out, so it's like, let's just fucking throw dukes at these guys. Just absolutely just throw haymakers at the pigskin. Um, and they're 28th in passing yards allowed per game. So here's where I'm at. On the game-winning drive against the Packers, Dable says to DeVito, let it rip. Rip that son of a bitch. Why didn't he say that against the Saints? And if he did say that, why didn't DeVito do it? And I tweeted this. I would much rather, for the rest of the season, not see DeVito play it safe at all. Let it rip, dude. Let it friggin' rip. Just throw the ball. You've already seen him throw passes that I don't think Daniel Jones would throw. You know, he throws the fleet flicker. It's like, I don't know that a lot of people, quarterbacks would throw that, but he threw it and completed it. He throws the ball to Saquon when he's pretty much covered. He throws the ball to XYZ when they're covered. He's throwing the ball when there's not a ton of separation, and I fucking love it. <clears throat> Just throw the ball. 
especially if the if the 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 D back has his back to you. If the D back has his back to you, throw the ball. So it, we're gonna have to throw the ball to win because I don't think we're gonna be able to uh, to run the ball. They're eighth in rushing yards allowed per game, or sorry, they're seventh in rushing yards allowed per game. So, uh, and that means to me, it's like throw the ball to Saquon. Just throw the ball. And none of this like screen, we stink at screens and the swing passes are, I feel like a cop out, right? Get him up the field and juking and making moves. And it doesn't have to be that deep under five yards. Get him, give him the, get him the ball on the run on the fly. He's getting you another five yards. This is what I don't understand about Kafka and the game plan. It's like, when I see this, these stats, just these stats alone, it says to me, okay, we have a chance we throw the ball. How are we going to win if we throw the ball? Okay, well, Darren Waller, that is a mismatch. Are we going to put him on a fucking snap count, a pitch count again? We probably shouldn't. It's like, dude, it's, it's now or never. Everything's a playoff game. You need to play every, every friggin' down, and we're going we're gonna to force feed you the friggin' ball until uh, they, they, and if they, are doubling you that means someone else is open like literally the game plan has to be waller barkley waller barkley waller barkley mix in at wandale mix in a deep shot to hyatt mix in a deep crosser to slayton that's it i mean uh, and that's where i think a lot of giants fans are so confused where it's like it feels like we have decent speed at the receiver position it feels like we have guys that can make moves and get open wandale jalen Darius. So like, what's the deal here? And Bart, like, I understand protection doesn't hold up against uh, average to above average defensive fronts. And so you do have to get rid of the ball quickly. The opposing defenses know that the opposing DCs know that, and they're going to crowd the line of scrimmage and they're going to jam and they're going to make it difficult for these speed demons to get up to speed. I get it. That's where Darren Waller comes into play. And that's where Saquon Barkley comes into play. And if uh, the defenses are more focused on them, someone else has to be open. I don't know. We're not going to be able to run the ball. So I, if the Tommy DeVito throws the ball 60 times this game, I'm not blank, I'm not batting an eye. Just throw and keep fucking throwing the ball. Keep throwing the ball. Keep throwing the ball. And if you do decide to run the ball, it can't be this the bullshit plays that we've been dialing up. It cannot be those. It needs to be something where it's uh, some sort of deception or something. <laughs> like this whole, oh, we're just going to like uh, line up and, and three yards in a cloud of dust. They're like, we're not doing that. We can't do that. So that's how we went on the offensive side of the ball. I've, I've said how we went on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, how do we stop the run? Yeah. You got to play man. You got to pass blitz, run blitz. I literally, I don't think you would find a gripe or an argument from any, anyone associated with the Giants, fans or otherwise, who would, who would uh, disagree with you blitzing on literally every play. <laughs> Just sending a different guy or guys every freaking play. What do you have to fucking lose? Mm. As far as Eagles injuries go, <laughs> I mean... Who knows if, I mean, Hertz should be 100%, right? 
I don't think the illness, it doesn't sound like it's going to be uh, too bad. Devils just lost. God damn. Um, so the, I don't think the Eagles came away from that game with too many injuries. I saw that Devontae Smith went down. He got like whiplash in the shin or the knee. And then A.J. Brown came up limping a little bit. So it would be interesting to see what the injury report is towards the end of the week. But I assume all those guys are going to play. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, who knows, like – Maybe Pew, it was a one-week thing, you know, it was later on the week that he got hurt or that it started to pop up on the injury report. So maybe it's just like a little minor tweak thing that he wasn't accustomed to. And so that's what threw off his play. I don't know. But uh, no, no one's giving us a snowball's chance in hell, and I fucking love it, dude. Because it's going to be so sweet when we upset them twice. <laughs> All right. So that's the... Uh, Giants Eagles preview. I guess we talked Mets for like a hot minute, literally a hot minute. Steve Cohen, New York Mets owner, hosted free agent pitcher, Japanese free agent pitcher Yoshi Yamamoto for dinner. Feels like that's going to be the big fish, right? For this offseason, that's going to be the one big signing that we would do. And if we don't get him, it, the I guess the reports are that we would not have a big splash signing. And uh, I'm okay with that. Like I've said it from, uh, I mean, when they signed Verlander. And even when they signed Scherzer, I was like, eh, you're putting a lot of money into the guys like who uh, are past their prime or might not, I don't know. So if we don't get Yamamoto, not to say that Yamamoto is a Scherzer or uh, a Verlander. You know, he's a young guy. But apparently the price has gone up on him a significant amount. And I think Cohen might be a little bit over like these big splash contracts. So um, would I be heartbroken if we don't get him? I mean, it's disappointing. I wouldn't be heartbroken, but um, we have other, I feel like we have other options. What sucks though is uh, not that he's dragging his feet, but like it, uh, I guess a lot hinges on his decision, right? So it's like the longer he waits to make his decision, I think a lot of these other other teams can go out and sign. But I guess that's how the dominoes will fall. Maybe that's the whole, that that's what's going to happen. It's like as soon as Yamamoto signs, we're going to see a flurry of signings from the teams that didn't get Yamamoto. Uh, so and that's the other thing. Like if we do sign Yamamoto, are you gonna like who else are you gonna sign? Because like you're not gonna go into your I mean, we have Yam. We would then have uh, Kodai Senga, Yamamoto, Severino. Hmm. Of course, Quintana, Peterson, McGill, Lucchesi. Yeah, so you're still kind of missing that fifth starter, no? Quintana, Severino, Senga, Yamamoto. Yeah, you still need that fifth guy. And I mean. I really don't want to roll into the next season thinking that McGill, Peterson, or Lucchesi. That just feels like that's going to be a, 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 a like a turnstile. We're just going to rotate through them throughout the year, and it's going to be like, well, is this like another? Not a, that's shaky, dude. I don't. I do not feel like uh, that's good. So, I think it stinks that the thought process is. I don't think the thought process is we sign Yamamoto and then that's it. We're not going to sign any more pitchers. I hope that's not the case. But I don't know. Do your thing, Uncle Stevie. I think it would be worth it. 
and it would be fun, dude. So with that, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, what's coming up? We'll give you a sneak peek, a preview, a tease of what to expect. Uh, should have a... I'm kind of going back and forth and debating and struggling with this internally. But you should have a life-related episode, uh, another one this week. And then... And then you might get one more episode this week. And I'm still trying to figure out what that would be. But uh, hard to say that there would be any new episodes the week of Christmas. I took off the week of Christmas. I'm going down to South Carolina, picking up my daughter. The uh, She has early dismissal on Friday, so we're picking her up and heading straight down to South Carolina. We'll probably get in at 1 o'clock in the morning, which would be so fun. But at least we're there, right? And then uh, I don't have work. I took off that whole week. So um, odds are I probably won't be able to record anything new, but I might be able to break out the old laptop and put something together for the end of year. We'll see. Probably not. <laughs> but then New Year's Eve, uh, oh boy. I haven't looked forward to a New Year's Eve like this in a long, long time. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. I'm I'm like so goddamn excited for what's about to go down on New Year's Eve. It's uh nothing crazy, but just really nice. Nice. Um so uh you uh, that first week in January, you probably should get a recap of that. Or maybe not. Maybe I'll keep it secret. Ooh. This is where I wish I had a Patreon and be like, uh, you can pay me and I'll <laughs> if y'all pay, I'll give you all the deets, the details. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, so yeah, that's the episode. Uh, that's what you can look forward to. Um, you know, and at end of year stuff like this, like I just found out that, you know, lights, camera, bar stool is coming to an end as a podcast. They're no longer doing a long form podcast, which was tough to hear. Cause I do appreciate that. And like my mom's basement, another bar stool podcasts, you know, if they fail to hit a certain number, I think they might be donezo with the podcast, which sucks. Cause I enjoy their content. Um, I don't have a, like a budget. I, I don't think I'm like losing a, a crazy amount of money on this, you know? Uh, and, uh, I do have some things in the works for the new year. So th there might be a little, a slightly different version of this in the new year. I'm playing around with it, but if you have any thoughts, send them my way, dude. You know, you know the deal, you know, the drill real cinch on Twitter, Instagram, Giant Mess has a Facebook page. There's a YouTube channel. Do you even know there's a YouTube channel, dude? Go check that out and subscribe. Uh, and yeah, I, 2023 ended with... <sighs> ended very well. <laughs> or is ending very well. You know, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better ending than 2023. And this is a, this is one of those situations where it's like, I don't think I've I've had this much hope and confidence and happiness and content and satisfaction and fulfillment and anticip eager anticipation and optimism ending a year and going into a new year. I can't even tell you. I really can't think of a time. Maybe 2013 going into 2014 was the last time, you know, that was like, you know, I would post pictures from that New Year's Eve. And my mom was like, I have never seen your face like that. Is that, I don't know. Is that what you call a smile? <laughs> so yeah 
<laughs> Jesus Christ, it's been 10 years. Wow. What a 10 years it's been, huh? So yeah, things are looking good. Knock on wood. And uh, what would be even better is if I could just figure out what makes you guys tick and what makes you guys stick around past a minute. So maybe that's the case. It's like I just got to keep chopping up these short, short videos, reels and whatnot and get those up and running because I think that might be the solution. You know, like do a little fishing. Here's some bait. Can you take it? Can you dig it? I hope so. Now, if uh, something happens and I'm not able to record any more episodes for 2023, which is <laughs> very well could happen, life, you know, am I right? Happens. I hope you, uh, I hope my Jewish brethren are having a happy Hanukkah. I, I think it might be over. <laughs> I think I think Hanukkah's over already, but I hope you all uh, had a happy Hanukkah. And uh, I think Festivus is coming up pretty soon, right? And I'm not sure when Kwanzaa is, but happy holidays and happy new year. And I'll probably say the same thing in the next episode. But there's one thing uh, that I'll definitely say every episode, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Adios, muchachos.